In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... It's one person coming in from China. It's going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle. It will gonna all be great. We're going to be so good. This is a pandemic. The Betches Sup Podcast. No, I don't take responsibility at all. Hello, and welcome to the Sup Daily CoronaCast. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Sammy Fishbein. And the CoronaCast is your daily rundown of all the latest news on COVID-19, how we're getting through it, and just how close we are to ending this crisis. Let's get into it. Hey, Elise. How are you? Uh, Fine. How are you? Good. I like your tie-dye attire. Thank you. It's a romper. Yeah, I was like, you're doing, are you, are you giving into the, giving into the trend? I have fully embraced like pajamas all the time. And now I'm buying like loungewear I never thought I would, I would care about. I placed a loungewear order from, I'll say it, Old Navy. That was incredible. It took five weeks to get to me because of shipping issues. Oh, my gosh. But once it got here, I got joggers. I got some sort of like onesie. That's what you need right now. But elevated, like a little bit elevated, like I could wear it on a Zoom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's what I've that's pretty much what I've been investing in, you know, loungewear pieces um i also like did a purge of of old stuff i didn't want anymore Mm -hmm. um because i figure like if i'm not let's say we are you know google and facebook just announced that they are working from home and zillow until 2021 so yes i'm not saying that we're doing that but let's say that you know we, we know that this is kind of like the rest of the year maybe a little more if i'm not wearing something if i'm not like excited to wear something at the end of the the quarantine, then, and I know for a fact I'm not going to wear it for the next year. Why keep it? Yeah, I we did a massive. We got rid of a ton of stuff, and then also we bought a leather poof for. <laughs> we bought a gorgeous leather poof, and here's the trick. So poofs are expensive, but we bought an unfilled poof, and then we put stuff, clothes, and stuff that we didn't want anymore in the poof. Oh, that's so smart. And now oh the gosh. poof is the poof has like a backpack in it. Like there's like all so funny. stuff in the poof. Look, this is the time to invest in your home while you're gonna yeah. be home. We just wallpapered this wall last weekend. That's you so cool. I yeah. I love a temporary wallpaper. Is it temp or is it I it's peel and stick, so yeah. it's permanent for as long as we live here, but it's temporary in that I could literally just like pull it off the wall. That's awesome. I've been like yeah. very much looking into that. Home improvement. That. Yes. Yeah. Home improvement, all of that stuff. Um, all right. Should we get into the news of the we day? We should. Uh Much like Sammy and I right now, uh, everyone in Washington is basically on a Zoom meeting today. (laughs) They've got a day-long Zoom conference. Uh, Today, the nation's top health experts are testifying at a hearing before the Senate Health Committee 
on how to safely reopen the nation's economy. Uh, this is the first time that people like Dr. Fauci uh, and then Robert Redfield, who's the CDC director, uh, the FDA commissioner, and others are going to be able to speak without Trump being physically present. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also due to the fact that they are in in quarantine because they have questionably been exposed to the coronavirus because the White House can't even keep its fucking house in order. I know they literally just announced they were like, OK, so now White House staffers have to wear a mask. Like, are you serious today? You're announcing this right nine weeks into quarantine. Everyone actually admits that masks matter and right? wonder like, not- why people like don't keep them on. These are rules that have been instituted in my bodega for like <laughs> truly nine weeks. And now the White House is just getting on it. But <laughs> anyway, well, you're maybe your bodega should be running the country. <laughs> You know what? I would say yes, because they are actually awesome and very responsive. If I go in there and I'm like, hey, y'all got to get these chips back. It's been a couple weeks since you had the chips that I like. You know what happens? I come in there. They've got the, the chips. chips. You know, you basically <laughs> just called your your bodega Senate office. Exactly. And they listen. And they listen to, to their constituent. Exactly. A novel idea. <sighs> okay. So, um, we're basically recording while they're testifying, so we can't tell you what they're what they're saying as of yet. But last night, Fauci told the New York Times that he planned to caution against the danger of trying to reopen the country prematurely and warned that doing so could cause, and this is a direct quote, needless suffering and death. I mean, that phrase was trending on Twitter last night needless suffering and death yeah it's you know i appreciate the drama of it because it is what we need to hear like it's a very succinct way it's to just say sort like, of like i i feel like i like we've talked about this before that like words in the trump administration have sort of lost meaning and it's like how many languages do i need to say needless suffering and death in before you understand that something needs to be done about that Yeah, it's, you know, I think that like for the people where it just hasn't clicked for them yet, it's literally not going to until there's an outbreak in their community. And it's crazy. It might not even then. It, I mean, truly, some people are like so stubborn, but I do feel like with a lot of these people who like the stay at home protesters who, to be fair, there really aren't that many of those. True. But to the ones who are, it's like, a lot of them are happening in places where they just haven't seen a large outbreak. Yeah, and you can kind of understand why, if if you're them, why you might be mad. Yeah, I do feel like it's just like, something maybe we don't talk about a lot is just how fucking huge our country is and how, like, it's, it's so tough to institute a top-down policy of like shutting everything down across the country because people, I think we should have that, but people's experiences are so different that like, like someone is like, like someone in Iowa is so disconnected from New York that it's like, right. Well, it is definitely tough, but the fact is that if you make, if the you meaning the federal government makes no effort to coordinate it in a way that actually makes sense and doesn't yeah. cause undue or sorry, needless suffering and death, um, even people in Ohio or Michigan or maybe not Michigan because they do seem to have kind of a significant outbreak, but somewhere like Arkansas where the 
cases are very low and the the trend is heading in like a good direction mm-hmm. um if there was like a testing plan with contact tracing or even just testing um or maybe like some sort of regulations that would prevent an outbreak before it could come and if there was also like a message of we're in this together um we right. you know that that this is like a, a, a we're doing this to protect all of us like if there was like a patriotic public service announcement explaining it really thinking about a lot is like because you know trump tried to do this whole world war ii dance that he was doing and now he like kind of doesn't want to do that anymore but people are talking about like oh we should plant victory gardens and all this stuff and it's like yeah all of that solidarity came from the top down like there was literally a massive movement of posters that are still famous to this day like trying to galvanize people and the most I've seen anything like that is I, on Hulu, I get ads r- made by the state of New York that are like, yeah. New Yorkers know how to adapt. That's why yeah. we need to adapt to the coronavirus. <laughs> right, right. But if, if there were something like that on a national level where like maybe New York is stay at home and Arkansas is not a state, doesn't have a stay at home order, but they have like a statistical sample or surveillance testing so that they can tell when maybe like a certain area might need to close because like, let's be honest, it's not as congested there. So an yeah. outbreak like wouldn't move as quickly as if you had someone like on a subway or in a nightclub, or maybe it's only like really heavy, really crowded things are, are minimized in their capacity. Like the reason that it needs to be like this blanket thing is because we have no leadership being like, let's come up with criteria and yeah. and guidelines that we follow for how to actually manage this without having to make like a blanket shutdown. Exactly. It's like, it's this weird hybrid of like it needing to be a top down thing, but also needing to be hyper localized to like the area and the government that we have in place right now is just like, not capable of coming up with like a swift or like sleek, thoughtful policy that like gets anything well, like they're just not their, capable. Even the policy that they have come up with, which is like, okay, if you meet these criteria for falling um, numbers, like for, you know, falling cases, falling hospitalizations, falling deaths for 14 days in a row, then you can do phase one of opening. Okay. So they have that. And they have decided to just throw it out the window and open anyway. So right, it's, it's like, like okay, make- <laughs> why did you make the guidelines then? Or like even and even those guidelines are not even like utilizing the best methods. Like there's no surveillance testing in those. There's barely even like regular testing in them. And there's not one word about contact tracing. No, so which it's is, like, it's, it's crazy. So what we know that Fauci is going to say today in addition to... <laughs> That opening will cause needless suffering in death is uh, this morning. He said that the death toll from COVID-19 is he already said, like, it's definitely higher than the 80,000 reported. So he knows that, as we've been talking about on this podcast, that a lot of deaths have not been attributed to COVID-19 that actually are COVID-19 deaths. He also says that if states ignore federal guidelines on reopening and do so too soon, there will be dangerous consequences so again quite dramatic but he and he also said that he thinks it is a bridge too far to uh to say that there would be a vaccine by the fall it's crazy to me that anyone thinks there's going to be a vaccine anytime soon when the record amount of time that it has taken to develop any vaccine is four years okay so like 
what makes us think we're going to have one when we have an anti-science federal government that yeah. there's going to be a vaccine like tomorrow? Yeah, they have actually already injected um, live vaccines into people, but just because you have started to test it doesn't mean you you can't, you can't like cut the time that you need to see if something's safe in half. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not trying to like inject one of Jared Kushner's fucking projects into my body and then 10 years later find out that it caused like insanely high I don't know some levels of some shit in my body. Yeah. I mean that's the thing is like number 1 <laughs> If it was a different government, maybe I would trust that this is going to be done in a thorough way. But again, we have like an anti-science president, so I'm concerned about what they're putting out. That said, like, obviously I want a vaccine and when there is a vaccine, I will get it. But like, <laughs> And we're, but, yeah, like you're not like, we're not anti-vaxxers, but... No, exactly. You know. exactly. I'm, that's, I guess, where I'm trying to go is, like, I'm not saying that I think all vaccines are... No, no, I'm saying, stuff. like, this vaccine developed by these people concerns me. And yeah. the timeline that they're trying to claim that they can develop it on, yeah. My hope is, is that someone else makes it and then we all just get the one that, like, like someone in France makes it and then we just all get it from Same. them. Same, yeah. Um, but that's a whole other thing is like, number one, there are a bunch of different people working on this. We don't know who's going to get the best, most effective one. Number two, then we have to scale up to getting it to everyone. Like that stuff takes time. It's not even just the development of the vaccine. It's getting it into the hands of every hospital, which we've already proven the people in power are completely incapable of getting supplies to states. Plus, what's the criteria for who gets it first? I'm sure that'll be decided fairly. Just like everything. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other thing. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. 
And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So a couple other things that Fauci said, uh, he also warned that there's increasing evidence that children can be very seriously sickened by the virus. I think I've been reading a lot more about this where it basically causes, like, I don't have the name of it in front of me, but it causes Kawasaki. a second, Yeah, it's yeah. like a secondary condition in children. Yeah. That, well, I mean, we know how, how uh, much this administration treasures young human life. Yeah. So. So it's, yeah, you would think that, like, this would be the top priority for them. Every child is a, a whole world unto itself for them. Yes. Um, Fauci also warned that as we take steps to reopen, we're absolutely going to see other outbreaks, which is just true until we have a vaccine or a cure. Uh, But if we have in place the capability to respond to outbreaks with testing and contract tracing, we can be in a safer place for reopening. So it's just like, it's just so funny to me because I'm like, there are all these people who are like, we need to reopen America, whatever. But then they don't like, they don't advocate for any of the policies that make that possible. Like, okay, if you're a reopen America person, you should also be a contract contact tracing person. Yeah. But again, this is the anti-science administration. So all they care, like the fact is they don't care how the economy gets opened. And if people die in the process of that, if there are casualties of opening it, they only care if their business account, if their bank account, the numbers in it go up. That's all that matters to them. It, it reminds me of back when they were like trying to repeal Obamacare and it was like repeal and replace. And then it just became repeal. And yeah, it, like, no it, replace. Yeah, exactly. And it, like they were like, oh, actually, when it, we don't want to have to make a plan for how to do the very dangerous and complicated thing we want to do. We just want to do it because that's the thing we want to do. Like they don't want to actually do the work of trying to figure out how to make that possible. They didn't want to do the work of actually writing a new healthcare bill for themselves. Like they didn't want to do it. Let alone doing the things yeah, that they would have down. Their system because well, what they realized at that time was they realized that they didn't actually, they weren't actually for anything. They were just against Obamacare. So they couldn't write a bill because they didn't have anything to put in it. No, they are for something. They are for lining their pockets with profits yeah. that they can get from charging people insane premiums and giving them and paying no claims and giving them, you know, very little, very poor insurance policies yes. in return. They do stand for something. It's just selfish. I know. And, and they can't another, say it out loud. That's yeah. the other thing. If they stand for something, they just can't actually tell people what it is. Exactly. Because <laughs> so it makes it right. hard for them to like sometimes do what they want to right. do because they which have is, to pretend they want to do something else. <laughs> right. Which is why they just take shady routes around stuff and you have Mitch McConnell. Yep. To, to clean it all up for them and Bill Barr. 
But speaking of testing and, you know, actual putting actual guardrails against the pandemic in place, um, we have a new message from the White House. And that is that America is leading testing in the world. And he came out yesterday um, into the Rose Garden and with this giant sign behind him, which said America is leading testing all over the world. Um, he claimed the U.S. had prevailed on testing and that we are testing more per capita than anywhere else in the world, which is not true. Germany, Russia, Spain, Canada, Switzerland, and at least 20 other countries have actually issued more tests per capita than the United States. Um, we had, as of Sunday, completed nearly 9 million coronavirus tests, which is just 2.74% of the population. Um, and a Harvard Global Health Institute team said last week that the U.S. should be testing at least 900,000 people a day. Currently, we're around a third of that at around 300,000 uh, tests per day. But Trump still claimed yesterday at this press conference I don't even know what to call it. Like a a, a stage. Like it, yeah, it literally looks like a stage. He could literally put the sky is shit color brown on a sign, and that has the same amount of truth as America's leading testing in the world. Like it just doesn't. Just because you fucking write it on a giant sign doesn't make it true. Also, when are these people gonna learn that if they put out a giant sign, it's just gonna become a meme? Yeah, like exactly. people are just if you make a big sign everyone's gonna meme you it's right. there it's an easy rule <laughs> like you're gonna end up it's you're gonna look dumb yeah it's gonna become a popular meme that sign was disgusting <laughs> so so he so he claims everyone who wants a test can get a test even though the governors disputed this claim um and his own assistant health secretary corrected him that this was not true so he kind of backtracked and said anyone who needs a test can get a test but not everyone who just wants one can he doesn't even know what the difference between those two things is um he did vow to do to um distribute 10 billion to states to ramp up their own uh testing programs um he claimed well he, he claimed that he did this, but that money had already been allocated by Congress. Sort of like how he claims that he signed that like veterans bill that was signed like 10 years ago. Yeah. It's a similar vibe. Um, okay, so this, this press conference yesterday went a little bit crazy. And you can actually watch what we're about to describe um, and play a clip of on our Instagram story so you can see the video to go with it. Because he was confronted um, about his his testing plans yesterday and he lashed out at PBS reporter Weijia Jiang who is Asian and said that we, she should ask China about the testing um, which led to an exchange between um, another reporter CNN's Caitlin Collins and Yamiche Alcindor who all were sort of yielding the questions to each other but what it ultimately led to was that Trump just kind of said fuck it and walked away yeah play the clip <laughs> said many times that the US is doing far better than any other country when it comes to testing yes why does that matter why is this a global competition to you if everyday americans are still losing their lives and we're still seeing more cases every day well they're losing their lives everywhere in the world and maybe that's a question you should ask china don't ask me ask china that question okay when you ask them that question you may get a very unusual answer yes behind you please what, sir, why are you saying that to me specifically? 
I'm telling you, I'm not saying it specifically to anybody. I'm saying it to anybody that would ask a nasty question That's like that. That's not a nasty Please question. Please go ahead. Why does it matter? Okay. Uh, anybody else? Please go ahead in the back. Please. I have two questions. No, it's okay. But we'll you go pointed to me. I have two questions, Mr. Next. President. Next, please. But you did. You called on me. I did, and you didn't respond. And now I'm calling on. Sorry, I just the young lady in the back, please. I just wanted to let my colleague finish. Okay. But can I ask you Ladies a and gentlemen, thank you very much. Appreciate but it. You thank you very much. Just a bunch of girls making Trump cry. I mean, it's is that so all sad. it takes? He li literally, she's like, you you ask him one single question about why he said something and he's out the door. He can't. That's why sometimes when I see stuff, it's like, him. why doesn't. Like, I get it. I get the feeling of, like, someone asked Trump this. I've felt that a bunch. But the reality is, like, when you do ask him, he's just, he's the guy who just, like, turns the Monopoly board over and, like, walks off. Like, he's just not going to, he's not ever going to answer those questions. It's satisfying to see a reporter be like, well, why did you just ask me that? Well, maybe if, if maybe if people would do this more, he would just stop, not get to talk as much. Yeah, he also might slip up and eventually, you know, he's not like that deft. True. He's not it's kind deft of like in Sorcerer's Stone when they're fighting the troll. And it's like the troll is really big and it's hard to fight and it's got a really thick skin that you can't really penetrate with magic, but it's dumb and you can confuse yeah. it. <laughs> so try that strategy. That's, I mean, that seems yeah. like a pretty sound analogy to be totally honest with you. <laughs> Just try to confuse it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> show me the difference it's there is none checking in momentarily with the judiciary branch of our government the supreme court is hearing three cases over the phone today uh that could all have huge implications for how we interpret the separation of powers i don't know i didn't even realize we still them, but <laughs> apparently they're still in place. So uh, <laughs> uh, this they, this will affect the separation of powers and the ability of the other branches of government to investigate the president. So um, these basically all relate to efforts by the House and state prosecutors to subpoena Trump's financial records. So TBT to like the original Trump scandal way yeah. back in the day. I just like wonder what people think we're going to get out of this other than potentially disappointment about the precedent that this uh, decision sets. But I could it's be wrong. Not, so I don't want I, I don't want to speak prematurely. But yeah, I would be interested to see them because it's like on principle, we should be able to see them. Number one. Number two, I want him to I want to I want him find, to panic. I want him to panic and I want to find yeah, we I want to confuse the troll. I want him yeah, to get angry. Exactly. I want him to, to flail yeah. around. <laughs> Honestly, like this is I was listening to the new abnormal with uh, Molly Jong Fast and Rick Wilson mm -hmm. and they had George Conway on this morning and they were talking about the um the ad, the Morning in America ad from yes. the Lincoln Project that we talked about a few episodes ago. And that is kind of the strategy they were describing. They were like <laughs> They're like, we just want him to see it. Like, yeah. it's really not about anyone else. It's just about, like, making him mad. Yeah. <laughs> to get him yeah. off message from his message that, that is, has clearly proven to be effective. Yeah. Distracting him, making him go down, like, weird rabbit holes, all of that stuff. Um, yeah. 
So right now, specifically, he's trying to shield his income tax returns and personal financial records uh, from his account uh, at Mazars USA. I don't know if that's if I'm saying that properly. I don't know about yeah. accounts. I don't and know about like these rich people banks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what Give fancy Chase bank. or Citibank. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I have the Capital One Venture Rewards card. So let's... <laughs> um, back. Yeah, I'm I'm working with points. Yeah. Um, but so he's trying to shield these specific financial records. Uh, the Supreme Court is going to look at basically two fundamental questions with three separate cases, which is whether Congress can subpoena a president's personal financial information outside of an impeachment inquiry, and whether a state can subpoena a sitting president's personal financial records in a criminal investigation. So those are kind of like the overarching thoughts. At this point, Deutsche Bank is in possession of a number of the president's financial records that he wants to keep private, like balance sheet information, income statements, who he does business with, the, uh, probably just like a bunch of rubles in a pile. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, re- I'm still in the middle of reading this book, Dark Towers, which is about um, Trump, Trump's whole relationship with Deutsche Bank. Mm-hmm. It's a... I don't want to call it a gold mine. Maybe I'll call it a rubles mine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's all that. So it's all the shady stuff. Like right now, Manhattan prosecutor Cy Vance is looking into the Stormy Daniels payment. That's all tied into this. So really this whole thing goes back to like, oh, gee, Trump scandals. Yeah, I mean, his crimes are, it's, because here's the thing. He's always sort of done the same things and mm-hmm. he just does them in different contexts you know yeah pay someone off bribe someone withhold funding from them like it's it's all just the same fucking tactics constantly exactly which makes it so predictable yes and like it's so crazy that we're talking about all these things and like none of them are the things he was even impeached for his like he, he was impeached for completely separate shit no but we just i will say so i just this morning interviewed um this psychologist, Dr. Bandy Exley, who's a who's a Yale psychologist, and she's sort of leading the charge on um, the the president is unfit for office. Uh, mm-hmm. Group of psychiatrists and mental health professionals who are like trying to spread that message. Yeah, and so that 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 interview comes out tomorrow, but you'll hear her describe um, how earlier in in like 2017. Um, there were mental health professionals who were effectively getting this message out. And then the APA um, basically kind of like said that they had to stop and that they couldn't really like have this conversation publicly um, because of something called the Goldwater rule. You'll hear all about it. But Mm -hmm. what she said, which is crazy is that um, it seems like the government was threatening to withhold funding from the APA if, they continued with this. So it was like essentially a mini Ukraine, just as if it were any other day. He's doing mini Ukraines every That's day. That's the whole administration. Went, yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's constant. So it's just like, it's just interesting to kind of, it, like, as I was writing about this for the newsletter today, I was like, oh my God, all the old scandals come coming back. But Basically, Congress says that it needs these records in order to determine whether it needs to do more legislating around anti-corruption. I would determine, yes. (laughs) Trump and his lawyers say that the president is shielded 
from investigation, shielded from punishment, perfect, he's perfect, he has perfect accounts, perfect cook call, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, during the appeals court argument in the grand jury subpoena case, the judge asked Trump's lawyers if they were actually going to argue Trump could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and local authorities could not investigate it. And they said that is correct. Um, so I'm interested to hear how that goes. Uh, the arguments are being live streamed. So everybody's working from home. I think they um, just, I think they might have just finished right before oh, we recorded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were on C-SPAN. Had them on in the background during my little obey cardio boxing this morning. Yeah. yeah. Really gets you going. I know. <laughs> I've been doing the like, like boxing fitness classes too. Cause I'm like, that's one of the only ones I can do in my apartment. And it does help. It does. It's, it feels good. Cause there's like a cadence to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's possible the court could decide that this is too political for them, which would be the only thing would be slightly less disappointing than if they decided in his favor, but still disappointing. I have no faith that they're not going to decide in his favor. I kind of agree with you, but um, I mean, who knows? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, it is possible that they'll, my, my, my prediction is that they'll use some like loophole to be like, Oh, they didn't decide it in his actual favor, but the results of what, they decided is that he doesn't have to show them that's it's what like i was a gonna say is that like they're either gonna in my opinion they're either gonna decide in his favor or they're gonna do some kind of thing where they're like well we it's <laughs> we've decided not to decide <laughs> yeah like, like um, some sort of voodoo that ultimately just does have the same impact to help him like uh, here will be my second uh very very Elise analogy of the day, but like the song Cinderella sings in Into the Woods on the steps of the palace where she's like, I know what my decision is and it's not to decide. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. Oh yeah. But... She's, it's when she decides to leave the shoe behind. So I think that's probably what they're going to do. They're going to so, be like, we've left a clue. <laughs> right. Look so at they're the leaving the, they're leaving the figurative shoe behind and what, yes. you know, they're leaving the pile of rubles in the bank account unexposed. Yes. I don't think that this is as clean an analogy as the troll, but I still stand the by it. The troll's a good one. Let's the bring that. The troll's a really good one. It's really like, it's real. You have to confuse Energetically the troll. Energetically real. <laughs> um, so Amanda included one little fun story just to close out in here, which is that, so the Supreme Court has been hearing these arguments um, remotely over Zoom. Uh, and you may, you I don't know, for any of those who are, you know, kind of like Supreme Court fans, you might you know, know some of the characters on the court. <laughs> First, we have Justice Clarence Thomas, who is notoriously tight-lipped during oral arguments. And by tight-lipped, I mean he has not asked a question in over a year. But it seems that Zoom has sort of altered his work style and he's become a little bit more of an extrovert over these live-streamed hearings because he asked his first question in over a year yesterday, or sorry, last week, um, and asked actually ended up asking as many questions as the other judges. So it's possible that he just does better in this format where people go, the justices go one at a time rather than like rapid fire, fast paced interruptions. Yeah, um, maybe he was just too nervous. <laughs> he was just too nervous in person to speak up. He was yeah. shy. It's like, why do you even have this guy on the court if he doesn't partake? 
I mean, I just like not ask any questions in Zoom meetings for over a year and like no one will say anything. I I do. I mean, why do we have this guy on the court for numerous reasons? But it is also right. interesting that he refuses. You don't have any questions? You have right. no it's questions. Like you can't even get a second round job interview unless you pretend to have a question. Right. So like what's going on here? Right? Yeah. Like you just, someone, just make up a question. Right. I know. I know. It's like I interview someone and they don't have any questions for me. It's like you couldn't have at least prepared a few fake questions. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's very interesting. Um, and I think that brings us to the end. So, it does. Uh, guys, until the end of the pandemic, I'm Elise Morales. I'm Sammy Fishbein. And this is the Betches Sup Coronacast. The Betcha Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to Sup at Betches.com. Betches.